It's philosophy talk. Here's all I want from you today. Uh huh. This is it. This yeah. is all we got to do in this conversation. Okay. I want you to admit that there is such a thing as white privilege. That's all I want. I know. I knew you were. Isn't white privilege just another name for racial injustice? Isn't racial injustice just another name for white privilege? The fact that I'm sitting here and you're sitting there is part of that white privilege. You know, it's about role and it's about access. And what you can do is extend that privilege so that you can dismantle it. If there were no racial discrimination or injustice, would the idea of white privilege even make sense? Look, guys, the punishment for resisting arrest shouldn't be death. The punishment for selling bootleg CDs shouldn't be death. The punishment for being a black man shouldn't be death. Is it a privilege or a right to be treated as you deserve to be? Our guest is Naomi Zak from the University of Oregon. White privilege and racial injustice. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Hi, I'm Josh Landy. With recent events putting the spotlight once again on issues of race and justice in our country, we're re-airing this program with John and Ken from a few years ago. We hope it helps you think about these issues. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're here at the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner at Stanford. That's where Ken works. He teaches. He goes to committee meetings and all sorts of things. And I just hang around and do philosophy. <laughs> You've been doing for a long time, John. Today, we're thinking about white privilege and racial injustice. Well, the U.S., let's admit it, it has a long and sorry history when it comes to racial injustice. It also has a long history of favoring the needs, concerns, and narratives of, of white people over those of people of color. But how are these two things, white privilege and racial injustice, related? That's our question for this week. Well, so obvious, John. Don't you think? I mean, just think about how many times we've had to witness the tragedy of unarmed black men and boys, little boys, getting shot and killed over practically nothing. White people just aren't subject to this kind of crap. And imagine if they were. How loud do you think the uproar would be? Well, you, you get no disagreement from me on those facts, Kent, but do you have a point? Yes, I do have a point. <laughs> Eliminate white privilege and with it the unequal treatment of whites and people of color and racial injustice just goes away. White privilege is racial injustice. Well, I mean, I'm just not convinced that the rampant mistreatment of blacks is an instance of or even proof of the existence of what you're calling white privilege. Oh, come again? Well, okay, we're philosophers. Let's start from the beginning. What exactly do you mean by white privilege? I mean the fact that whites enjoy so many honored advantages relative to others, not just in the criminal justice system, but in just about any sphere of life you can name, John. So you think the fact that whites are much more likely to be treated with respect by cops is a sign of unearned white Privilege. Well, what did they do to deserve that privilege except be born white in a racist society? Yeah, I do. No, they were born. Doesn't everybody, black, white, brown, anything in between, deserve to be treated with respect well, just because they're born? Of, co of course they do. Well, then being born is all anyone ever has to do to deserve respect. So it's not a privilege, uh, right? Well, what, are you, what are you trying to say? I'm not sure what you're trying to say. That you're misconstruing two different things, related but different. 
violations of black rights and protection of white privilege. I don't get it. Look, I grant you that cops too often trample the right of black people. That's not to say that they don't trample the rights of whites sometimes too, or that they often treat everybody just as they should be treated. But violations of black rights are routine and are done with far uh, with, with, with impunity. Uh, and, and when whites are mistreated, there usually isn't impunity. Well, you're just proving my point. No, I'm refuting your point. The problem isn't that cops are wrong to respect the rights of whites. The point is they're wrong to disrespect the rights of blacks. Wait, wait a minute. Are you denying that there's such a thing as white privilege? No, not at all. But I'm saying that having your rights respected is not an example of white privilege. Look, and you want to eliminate racial injustice? Don't focus on white privilege, right? Closing the country clubs won't, uh, uh, won't help much. Focus on securing the too often trampled rights of people of color. Okay. I, I, I kind of see your point. I mean, it's not like I want the cops to go around violating everybody's rights. I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, we don't want to get equal treatment by getting everybody's rights trampled on. So I'm, I'm really glad of that, Ken. Yeah, but, but look, white privilege is still a problem separate and distinct from the problem of black rights. I mean, think of that phenomenon of implicit bias where people unconsciously judge minorities more harshly than white men. That implicit bias, I think that leads directly to white privilege. You're talking about experiments that show implicit bias, even in people who say they aren't biased. Yeah, yeah. Experiments where exactly the same paper is submitted to exactly the same journal, one under, say, a black-sounding name like Jamal, and one under a white male-sounding name like John. I mean, (laughs) pretty reliably, John is evaluated higher than Jamal, even though it's exactly the same paper. Yeah, but that doesn't in and of itself, AO ipso, prove the existence of white privilege. You'd have to know whether John's paper was evaluated higher than it deserved to be, that's privilege, or Jamal's paper was evaluated lower than it should have been, that's racism. Well, you're back to that same kind of riff. You're still thinking about privileges versus uh, rights. Uh, you got to admit, I'm, I'm not really convinced. But look, I'm going to grant you something. There's a lot for us to think about here. And to help us move the conversation forward, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Shuka Kalantare, to speak to two of her neighbors, one black, one white, about their experiences of racial injustice in Oakland, California. She files this report. When Audrey Esquivel moved to Oakland from North Carolina a few years back, one of her neighbors invited her to join a community listserv. It was a forum where people could post about neighborhood potlucks, or so-called high-crime alerts. It was the latter that became a problem. Some of these high-crime alerts were really vague. Vague to the point where um, one of the messages that caught my attention actually might have described me. Esquivel is a black woman. So I kind of answered back and was like, well, what's the... What's criminal about this? A brown woman's walking by your house. That could be me. So Esquivel joined Neighbors for Racial Justice, a group of Oakland community members working to curb racial profiling on listservs and social media sites. But the profiling continued. 
the thing that really affected me and drove me to tears was when I had posted um, on the website, I was making this recipe that I needed a lot of lemons for and had noticed all my neighbors had these overflowing lemon trees. And I said, hey, you know, who can spare some lemons? And this woman said, I don't care if I'm not home. She was like, there's lemons on the ground in my yard. She was like, just come and pick as, take as many as you want. And so I go to this woman's house and I noticed her inside and I thought, oh gosh, I've taken so many, like, I should just say thank you, you know? Escaval knocked on the door. She heard a voice on the other side say, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to open the door. It never crossed her mind that someone that looked like me was going to show up. There's this mindset that people of color, I don't know if people think we're not of the class that can afford to live in this neighborhood or what, right? But I do. Thank you very much. First of all, I know Audrey. And so it just hurt me that she was so dismissed that an assumption was made about her as a dangerous person because of the color of her skin. Ginny Burson is Audrey Escobal's neighbor and a founding member of Neighbors for Racial Justice. She's also white. I have uh, never been at a neighbor's house, uh, knocked on the door and had them not answer, uh, had them only speak to me through a closed door. That's never happened to me. Escobal says this kind of racism is a daily occurrence in her life. This happens all the time in the public transit system. I take BART in um, from Oakland over to my job here in the financial district in San Francisco. BART is the Bay Area's transit system. I'm usually dressed pretty nice in my corporate office outfit. This particular day I had on my hoodie, right? And there was one seat left open right next to me. And three people got on the train. They were all, um, appeared to be white, European and um, the guy kind of motioned at the girls like, you know, one of you take this one empty seat that's open. The girls looked at the seat, looked at Escoval, a black woman in a hoodie, and said no. They'd rather stand. That's never happened to Escoval's white friend. I don't think I've ever had uh, an empty seat next to me on BART or on a bus or on a train and had somebody look at me and decide not to sit next to me. Burson and Escoval have a lot more examples of racial profiling and white privilege at restaurants, at grocery stores, with the police. Escoval says she meets with her neighbors every month to talk about these issues and work towards a shared goal. Raise awareness um, in people's lives that when you walk down the street and you see someone who doesn't look like you, that you don't immediately assume that that person is up to some kind of suspicious or criminal behavior. Audrey Escoval and Ginny Burson don't think Neighbors for Racial Justice will end racism in the world, or in the U.S., or even in their community. But raising awareness about racial profiling online isn't a bad start. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Shuka Kalantari. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.